Welcome into the Full Tilt Devi Podcast on the Full Tilt Podcast Network, proudly presented by Fantasy Points and Underdog Fantasy. Now for your hosts, Mr. John Arrington and Andy Starr. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Full Tilt Devi Podcast. I'm your host, Dynasty Coach A, joined as always by Andy at A Star FF on Twitter. And we are brought to you by Underdog. Make sure you check that out. Make sure you go pick those players. Uh, do the overs and unders with the pickums and win some money. Use that promo code Full Tilt, and you will get your deposit matched up to a hundred dollars to date. But Beautiful. we're not here. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Andy. <laughs> no, I was just saying that sounds like a great deal. I'm not. I'm not sure why we're not all taking advantage of that. <laughs> exactly. It is a great deal. Go check that out. But like I said, we're not just here to talk about underdog. Even though we do appreciate the sponsor sponsorship, and it is a great deal. We are here to talk about some college football, some Debbie players. Uh, I believe we have a uh, like a Debbie mock to go over or a dynasty mock to go over tonight. Uh, so there will be some some fun stuff to get into. But first, we have to talk about a debacle, debacle of a game. And I I don't know. I, I mean, last time we were talking about Tennessee, we had Lucas come on, and, and I mean it was Vols by fifty and all that. I mean. Was it Vols couldn't even get to the 50-yard line this time? Like, what, what the hell happened? <laughs> yeah, I mean, brutal game, right? Like, that's putting it lightly. Uh, not even close to the excitement of Bama at Tennessee. Um, and I think if you're a Tennessee fan, uh, like our friend Lucas, you got to feel pretty bad after that game. Uh, George, it was just a, a systematic defeat of Tennessee. Their, their defense was as advertised. They're forcing turnovers. They didn't let up any big plays. Tennessee only had two carries of over 10 yards, and none of them turned into 15-yard runs. Hendon Hooker, I mean, you can't really – he played okay, I guess, but the yards per attempt weren't there. He obviously wasn't able to get any scores. It was just like a – like it's a systematic defeat. They were up 24-6 at halftime, basically just held serve the rest of the game. They could have scored more, but they just – they didn't have to with how the defense was playing. Bennett only attempted four passes in the second half compared to 21 in the first half. They knew the game was over, so the plan was just to run clock and go home. Um, From a Debbie standpoint, I'm not going to knock anyone down too far on Tennessee, except maybe Hooker. I think this was kind of like his Heisman moment, and he he really didn't really – he blew it, let's be honest. Uh, Therefore, his chance at like a first-round draft capital is kind of out the window at this point for me. Uh, but Georgia's defense is one of the all-time greats in the history of college football, so I can't really fault the rest of the team too much for struggling. But, man, that was that was a tough game to watch in real time. It was, and I, I only actually caught half of the game, so unfortunately I didn't catch the fun half. <laughs> so I, I didn't really see everything that went on uh, in person. But just looking at the, the stats from Hooker, like it doesn't look like he had a – terrible game like he didn't throw four picks or anything like that like it it wasn't like he necessarily lost them the game and we had talked about it last week uh, you know how it was really going to come down to can Georgia's defense stop Tennessee's offense and I think the answer is very clearly yes they can and it's pretty scary for everyone else considering how they've looked against every other team but I also wonder if you know they were able to get the the prescription for what they needed by watching the Alabama game, uh, Georgia was, and, you know, just seeing like, okay, so all we have to do is actually have like our safeties play. And then like, you know, we can stop Jalen Hyatt and not let him score five touchdowns. Uh, you know, it just seems like just about everyone had a, a pretty quiet game there. Um, so like you said, I'm not going to like really truly knock anyone down, but man, it just seems like Georgia is the, <laughs> the one that, uh, I mean, they're clearly the best team right now. I would uh, I would say that is pretty easy to see. And, you know, at least Lucas can be proud that Tennessee was at one at some point in the season. But unfortunately, I think that'll be the last time that's that we say that. <laughs> no arguments for me here on that. Georgia very clearly looked like the best team in the country. I... I wish I could say more nice things about Tennessee. I don't think they're not a top five team, but they're definitely not the number one team. No, it's still they're still a good team. It's, I'm not trying to hate on them or anything, uh, but yeah, it's just more so that Georgia really 
just put their foot down and just said like, Hey guys, like <laughs> this is our game. This is our, you know, this is our league. We're going to win again. And, uh, the best part is they don't, I mean, obviously they do have to play Alabama again, I'm assuming. Uh, but like, they don't have to really worry about Alabama in the playoffs unless no, they don't have to play them. Not, not after Bama did what they did last weekend. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so yeah, I guess I'm just always I'm always thinking Georgia has to play Alabama like that kind of thing, and yeah, no, I guess they don't have to. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's a good point. I don't think they play each other. You might be right. <laughs> they're yeah, in separate. I, they're in separate divisions, but I'm pretty sure they don't play each other this year. Georgia okay. has Mississippi State and Kentucky left on the season. Yeah. So no, and Alabama's not going to be in the NCC championship unless no, they crazy are happens. not. <laughs> Although we've said that, like we also talked about last week, how Tennessee was at one and Georgia was at three and all that. So like we see some crazy stuff happen, including, like you said, Alabama uh, losing, and then we had uh, Clemson losing, Arkansas losing, uh, some you know some big players in the game. I think we all kind of thought, or at least I don't know, maybe I'm just thinking that in my head, uh, making that up in my head that Clemson shouldn't have been up there at five. Uh, you know, that just seemed a little too crazy. Obviously we would, we would always expect Alabama to be up there somewhere up there. Um, and then I don't know how crazy it is that Arkansas lost. I mean, they, I don't know. I, I've said from the beginning, I never thought Arkansas was all that great of a team. I guess they've, they've had some, you know, good showings and everything. KJ Jefferson's been pretty good. Obviously rocket Sanders has been amazing up until this week. Um, but uh, what? Do you, which one do you think was the biggest upset? I mean, I guess I know your answer. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Bama LSU because we talked about that game last week, and I was like, "Oh, LSU!" You know, they were they sh- they were a, f- a fake top ten team, is what I was saying. And obviously, they go in. Granted, they were at home in Death Valley, which is a really hard place to play, but they beat Alabama, who I think everybody was convinced was you know on their way to an SEC championship game and potentially beating Georgia and working their way into a playoff. But, you know, looking at the game, I think Bryce Young looked a little rough out there. He had less than 60% adjusted completion percentage. Yards per attempt was under seven, only the one touchdown and an interception. But I think what really the takeaway is, is the lack of wide receiver play was so evident in this one. Outside of Ja'Cory Brooks, Young really had nobody he could throw it to on the outside or in the slot. Uh, He targeted Brooks 16 times. The second highest targeted wide receiver was Jermaine Burton, who had uh, three targets. Um, Gibbs, of course, looked great. He had almost 100 yards on the ground and eight catches. Uh, we obviously love Gibbs, but overall, um, I you know I, I don't think I can take. People are out there saying, "Yo, Young, he looked horrible. He's not an NFL quarterback," which is obviously hyperbole. But uh, I think he's looked really good this year with very little, given you know what we've seen from that wide receiver room. Um, unfortunately he wasn't able to overcome those offensive woes from his team here. It cost him the victory in overtime, but I will give props to where they are due in Jaden Daniels, super efficient game, got the job done. Talked about him on the Davy recap. Uh, I still have my doubts as an NFL prospect, but good job securing the win there. Uh, and he made that Bama defense look pretty silly the whole game. They couldn't really tackle anybody. Yeah. You knew I was going to be coming in here talking about Jaden Daniels. <laughs> I knew it. I just, I mean, first of all, I also said that I did not expect LSU to win this game. I guess maybe I should have given them a little more credit at home and all that, but I still didn't expect it to happen. But I saw what I wanted to see, which was Jaden Daniels have a good game. And I just, uh, I was talking about it last night. Uh, you you even popped in uh, into the chat. Uh, you know, we were talking about Jaden Daniels, and and my co-host on the Debbie Devotional doesn't really believe in him as well. So I'm I'm, I'm sitting here fighting the good fight against two co- different co-hosts. But you know, I, I was saying like, if now obviously we know Malik Willis won in the third round. You know, this past year, and you know, like I, we see that he's terrible. If the if the NFL like we always knew Malik Willis was terrible. If the NFL drafted him in the third round, why wouldn't they draft Jaden Daniels that just beat Alabama and looked damn good doing it? And it's not like it's the first game that he's done this. Like he's looking good. We see that he is an athlete out there. Like he is the athlete that the type of player that you want to see. Uh, you know, running around making plays happen, like all that kind of stuff. And he can still throw. Now he's not going to be a prolific passer. I don't believe in that, but 
I just feel like we've seen recently the NFL invest in some of these guys, whether it's second rounders and Jalen Hurts or, you know, third rounders and Malik Willis and, and obviously other players as well that maybe aren't the best passers. And they say, hey, like we know that they're talented. Let's go ahead and see if we can get anything out of them. And so I don't really think it would be that insane for it to happen. And that's why I've always been kind of, uh, kind of a big Daniels backer. Now, I guess at, at some point, probably a year or two ago, I thought, oh, maybe he'll be a first-round pick. I guess I'm not seeing that anymore. But like, I, I definitely think he can make it to the NFL. And then if all he needs is a shot at that point, because I do think he's talented. Yeah, I mean, you're, Malik Willis, I guess, is not a bad comp to Jaden Daniels. I mean, his, Malik Willis's adjusted yards per attempt were a little bit higher, but, I mean, not really anything statistically significant. Yeah, except for one's playing in the SEC and one's playing in, right. in, in Liberty. So it's, yeah. that's a little different. <laughs> for sure, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, if you want to make that comparison, I'm, I mean, obviously there's a size difference with uh, Malik Willis. But, uh, oh yeah, no, and I wasn't even comping the players. I was just really comp- more comping no, like the yeah, situations gotcha. and stuff like that. I definitely do not want to comp Jaden Daniels to Malik Willis. <laughs> Please don't ever do that. Uh, but this isn't a, a Jaden Daniels pod. I was just uh, I went off on a tangent there. <laughs> but uh, it, I mean, it, it definitely was a shock that they won that game. That uh, overtime call uh, to, to you know to go for two was a great call by Brian Kelly. Although if they had missed it, of course it would have been a terrible call. Uh, you know, but I, I love having the balls to do it against Bama at home, you know, because it's just one of those things where, like, they're, I mean, I guess, I mean, technically they could make the playoffs still. Um, It was probably one of, it was probably their only shot to make the college football playoffs was to win this game, you know, get that two-point conversion because chances are if you give Bama the ball again, you know, your chances of losing probably go up every time Bama touches the ball. (laughs) Yeah, Brian Kelly uh, earned his right to use his fake Cajun accent for for a week <laughs> after that call. Exactly. So, what do you think of the the Clemson game? That one was uh, was pretty ugly. Uh, wasn't it like nineteen to six or something like that? <laughs> it was like uh, it might have been twenty eight nothing at one point. Um, oh, I must like, be thinking of a different game then. Clemson looked rough, and I'm not sure why they trotted. Uh, DJU out there after the, he almost blew that game against Syracuse. Uh, but that decision may have caused Dabo and the, and the Tigers a playoff spot. Now I'm not sure Cade Klubnik was going to get them a win either because he did come in and immediately throw an interception, but playing DJU was, you know, all but guaranteeing yourself an L. Um, the offense was ineffective all game. DJU turned it over twice. Uh, I couldn't even manage, manage five yards per attempt passing. Uh, just their whole season, their offense has just been really uncreative and Notre Dame had an answer for everything. Um, conversely, Notre Dame just played their game. Like they didn't ask Drew Pine to do much more. He, I think he only passed like 17 times and they just ran it down Clemson's throat with Logan Diggs and Audrick Estime. Um, and they scored touchdowns on defense and on special teams. So just like an all around three phases of the game victory for Notre Dame. Yeah, and you, you talked about my boy Estime on the recap. Uh, love to hear that. I mean, he he's definitely showing out, and he's he's starting to to stand out. But like you said, it's kind of wild when we think of the start of the season with Notre Dame with Tyler Buckner, and it was I mean nothing went right, and it, then Buckner gets hurt, he's out for the season, and then all of a sudden, I mean Drew Pine came in and was terrible for a couple of games, like absolutely terrible. And now, I mean, they're actually looking. Decent. I mean, they're not going to obviously do anything. They're what six and three, I think. So, like, they're not going to be uh, in the in the playoffs or anything like that. But like, they're at least looking respectable. And obviously, going in and beating a top five team, uh, you know, gives you even more respect, especially when you kind of trounce them. And I don't know what I was thinking about with the score, but it, I'm looking at it now, thirty five to fourteen. I was definitely thinking of a different game there. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a good solid win for Notre Dame. That's just like a weird Jekyll and Hyde team this year where like they lose to Marshall. Obviously, that's the beginning of the year. You know, maybe they're still working out some kinks and, you know, with the new coach and whatnot. But and then they go and beat teams like, uh, you know, Syracuse and uh, Clemson now. So but, yeah, you know, good for them. Good win. Will Shipley not looking too great in, in the game. I guess really no one looked good on, on that offense. Um, I mean, I mean I'll just say Clemson needs to fire. I, I, I their offensive coordinator's name is slipping my mind right now, 
Um, but I think this is his first year uh, calling plays, and it's mm. it's looking brutal out there. I I, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to say, like, I was I had some hope in DJU at the beginning of the – I mean, I talked about it on this show. Yeah. And he was playing safe, I think, which is good. 4.3 adjusted yards per attempt in this game. <laughs> yeah. It, man. Like, it's it, ever since I, I feel like I kind of <laughs> jinxed him because, uh, you know, like in the weeks after I started talking about him, it's just gotten really, really bad for the guy. That was one of the craziest things. Cause that was really when I like first started getting into, uh, like analyzing Debbie and all that kind of stuff. Everyone, every single person had DJU as the QB one in, in Debbie, you know, it was like the simplest thing. And, and I, you know, I even looked at the, I think it was what, three or four games that he had played in the 2020 season. And I'm like, yep, QB one. <laughs> and that was uh, one of the first steps in, in me figuring out that I needed to build like certain thresholds for like attempts and games played and stuff like that into the Debbie model. Uh, because I shouldn't just you know bank off of a few games played in, in one season at the end of the season. My, my uh, model is just don't ever try to evaluate quarterbacks because you're probably wrong. <laughs> Unless you're me and you're talking about oh, Jaden Daniels, of right. course, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and then, I mean, anything about Arkansas? I mean, do they matter? Um, I will just say, like, because we love Rocket Sanders, obviously. Um, that they kind of just gave up on it. He had like a drive. There was a drive where he had 50 yards on the ground just on a single drive. And then Jefferson threw a pick ending the drive. And then the second half comes around. Obviously they're down at that point and he only got five carries the entire half. So I know that they're behind and you, but you just can't abandon your entire identity after the first half. Uh, But big shout out to Liberty, I guess, for pulling off the upset. Arkansas is now five and four. And the rest of their season is LSU, Ole Miss, and then at Missouri. So I'm not sure. I don't see how they're – I don't know if they're going to win any of those games. Uh, and now they have these bad losses to Liberty, Texas A&M, and Mississippi State. I wouldn't be surprised if their head coach, Sam Pittman, gets fired in the next couple of weeks here too. Maybe Rocket Sanders transfers out? Hey, I mean, a lot. coach gets fired – I'd love to see him at Alabama. That would be so. That's like Derrick Henry 2.0, right? Oof. Yeah, that would be wild. Uh, I, I really hadn't even thought about it until just like when you were just talking about his, uh, you know, the coach being fired. I'm like, wait a second. He, he might actually be transferring out of here. <laughs> Dang. I didn't think about it either, but oof, now I'm getting kind of a little excited here. Yeah, Gibbs leaving, and all of a sudden he's the Bama. Man, oh. that's, uh, that is a little exciting. But I, You heard it here I'm first. Not, he, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Lucas says, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I um, oh, I just lost my train. Oh, no. So I was going to say, <laughs> no, I did. I lost my train of thought. So never mind. Oh, well. Lucas Lu- Lucas got me all screwed up here. He's scared. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say that, that uh, you know, Rocket Sanders obviously had a rough game, but he had like pretty, two pretty damn good games before that. I know you yeah. had kind of mentioned how you were like a, still slightly concerned. You're not concerned, but like slightly like iffy on him, if he's that top tier kind of guy. Now, I mean, now that he's at Bama, uh, you know, what do you think about it now? <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, right. Now that he's at Bama and he's getting 60% of the carries. Yeah, I love him. That's going to be great. <laughs> Oh man, I I love it. We we definitely need to we need to do the whole like Luke Sawhook candle thing and uh, and make this happen. The prayer circle and and we'll make this happen. But why don't we take a little break and then we will get back to a or come back to a 2023 dynasty this or that. Aaron Rodgers is so washed. It's like when you're out, you know, when you have a big trip and you go do an ayahuasca and then you get home. And you see your buddies and they're watching Cheech and Chong and you're like, oh man, like I need a, I need a good high. Does anybody have any ayahuasca? And it's like, no, they don't because you're in like a suburb. And then you're like, well, I do have this like bowl of weed. And then you put in your bong and you, you finish the bong after you get through the bowl. And then you're like, okay, I got to clean this out. And you haven't cleaned it in like a year. And so you put that thing through the ringer. We're talking... We're talking dish soap. We're talking scrubbing. We're talking there's fucking caked on tobacco that people were sticking in there when your buddies were over. You got to scrape that shit with steel wool. We got to get that shit pristine. We got to get that shit ready. 
he is so washed that he is like a washed out bong that you took honestly 48 hours trying to get clean after not having previously cleaned it out in three years. <laughs> wow. I I wonder if he thinks he's washed. <laughs> that was uh, descriptive. That was like three levels of <laughs> description. It was. <laughs> there was a lot of ayahuasca talk. <laughs> My God. Alrighty, so like I said, we're going to be talking about a dynasty, a 2023 dynasty, this or that. I believe that a uh, there was a dynasty mock draft uh, performed by the Debbie Royale boys. I don't know who all was involved, uh, but basically we have all of the ADP here of where everyone was taken. And there's some pretty interesting players uh, where we have the incoming rookies from the next class compared to some of the other uh you know, the, the, the other uh, veterans that are you know nearby in ADP. And so we're going to sit here and, and try to figure out who we would rather have at this point. Uh, Andy, did I explain that right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I don't, I'm not entirely sure who was all in the draft either, but I think this is like a good exercise because, um, you know, we're not all drafting in our leagues with like, you know, seasoned experts, I guess. So this is just like a typical draft you might start up like if you did a startup tomorrow for a 2023 league this might be like what what your adp would potentially look like who is the 101 uh i think it was probably josh allen or something i don't remember <laughs> all right so it is a super flex league yes yep super flex tight end premium okay perfect and then you said you're going to be comparing uh the values to keep trade cut just to yeah. get like a, an idea of, of, you know, where the public feels or how the public feels. Right. Yeah. And I know keep trade cut is kind of, you know, sometimes it feels like people are just memeing players up sometimes. <laughs> right. So, I, you know, you just like uh, for a few of these players that I put on the show sheet, like uh, I, I just picked a different player that was around the same ADP because it made more sense because, you know, sometimes there's guys that are just pumped up for no reason. But uh yeah, I mean, we'll I'm not going out of my way to use tree, keep trade cut, but I, you know, I understand no. using it for this uh, for this exercise here. So. Exactly. Why don't we get into the most obvious one, which is Bijan Robinson? Where where did he end up? So he was taken as the RB four off the board. Um, keep trade cuts. This is one where I switched it up. So keep trade cuts. RB four was Christian McCaffrey, and I was like, okay, well, that's easily. Bijan Robinson. So I'll make it a little tricky. Uh, keep trade cuts. RB three is Travis ETN. So my question would be Bijan Robinson or Travis ETN right now. If you're in a dynasty startup, I'll tell you what. This one's probably harder than uh, uh, at least for me than a lot of people would expect. Obviously, I it's not that difficult. I'm going to go with Bijan, but at the same time. You know, I love me some Travis Etienne. I have. I wish he hadn't. I have from like the beginning. I wish he hadn't gotten hurt last year because he probably would have already been like the dynasty RB one at this point. But uh, it is it is more difficult. But Bijan is a more complete running back. You know, like a little bit of everything. And so I think he'll easily slot in above Etienne unless Etienne just completely like finishes the season on a tear. But as of right now, I think that I can easily say, I mean, if you watched any of that Texas game last week, like, it's pretty easy to say that Bijan Robinson is going to be that dude, and I'm taking him there. What do you think? Yeah, it is a lot tougher than I think um, a lot of people would care to admit. You know, we've all just been saying, like, Bijan Robinson is going to be the Dynasty RB1 next year. Um, I think you have to give it to Bijan based on age. Now I know that there's some data now that the age clip might not be as real as we once thought it is because a lot of the running backs this year are older than like the top six or eight running backs this year, are, you know, above age 26, which isn't the norm. Um, at least not all of them, but some of them. Uh, so there's, you know, fantasy football is evolving every single year, but if you're taking age into account, you know, ETN is going to be in the league for this will be his third year. He had an extra year in college. He had that foot injury. Bijan Robinson doesn't have any of those things. You know, he's got less wear on the tire. We know he's an elite running back prospect. So I think you got to give the edge to Bijan Robinson if you're if you're in a startup right now. It, 
you know, any format really, like I would take Bijan over ETN straight up. Yeah. And you know, there's some people saying like, what if Bijan goes to a bad you know, spot, like a bad landing spot? Like, do we really think the jets were a great landing spot for Brees Hall? No, but guess what? He was a stud and he became the RV one in dynasty within like five weeks. Uh, you know, obviously he got hurt and that sucks, but that has nothing to do with it. I, I just think that a player of this talent, it's not going to matter. Look what Saquon Barkley did on the terrible Giants in his first year. You know, 2,000 yards, you know, like just amazing you know, rookie year. That Those kind of talents beat all the, the all, all those odds. And those kind of teams, even if they are bad teams, then they go, oh, well, we just need to give this guy the ball every single time. And they go and, and win, or, you know, like four games. But the Bijan will have, you know, 18 touchdowns or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, I can't like I'm just, I'm running through like all the NFL teams in my head right now. I'm trying to think like what would be a bad spot for Bijan. Like he's gonna be Bijan no matter <laughs> where Jets. he's at. <laughs> I mean, it'd be weird like if the Jets took Bijan Robinson. Right. <laughs> oh, that would suck. <laughs> Although I mean, uh, like it, it's not impossible. Like, I don't I don't think it'll happen. I hope it doesn't happen. But like it, it's also not insane. I mean, we don't really see it with running backs as often. But at the same time. We see, I mean, like, look what the Jets did with Elijah Moore and then drafting Garrett Wilson. And, I mean, obviously it's wide receivers. It's a little different. But, you know, like, there's teams like the Packers where you're, like, desperately begging them to draft a, a wide receiver. And then you have teams like the Jets, and they're like, all right, we got Corey Davis. We got Denzel Mims. We got Elijah Moore. Let's go get Garrett Wilson, you know. just So I don't think it's insane to think that he could end up, you know, maybe not the Jets, but, like, maybe, you know, another team where you're like, oh, you know, I really like this running back. Uh, you know, like look at like a uh, the Raiders and like Josh Jacobs, and, and you know, like obviously at that point you would probably assume that Jacobs is going to be gone, so maybe that's not a good example. But you know, I'm just trying to think of like off the top of my head, like a team with the guy that's still under contract, and they and they come in, and like you're still going to expect that Bijan's going to be the stud. So I'm not going to worry about it. just like with Michael Carter and and Brees Hall this time. You know, it did, it, this year it didn't really matter after a few weeks now people start freaking out after the first couple of weeks and like wait the rookie's not in there he's not getting 100 percent of the carries it's like all right you know give it three four five weeks guys let's chill that's when you buy <laughs> that is definitely when you buy because if you bought Brees hall after week four you would have gotten a haul uh after that but uh unfortunately he got hurt so <laughs> let's move on to the next one and it's our first qb and uh, we have uh cj stroud who went qb 11 and uh, and then we have a, a little tricky one here with Deshaun Watson as the, the counterpart there. So this one has different implications of, you know, how do you feel about the player? How do you feel about all that kind of stuff? But we also know that I mean, Deshaun Watson is going to be a valuable dynasty piece. Uh, if he's not already, he will be here pretty soon unless he you know, does something else that's very stupid. And then obviously we know that people love the, some C.J. Stroud and, and rightfully so. Yeah, uh, just speaking purely from a football standpoint. Um, yeah, I the problem with Deshaun Watson, obviously, is can't you know, he hasn't played in what, two years two basically two years, two plus yeah. So, you know, what's the level of rust there? Um, I don't know that it's that much. Obviously, they're paying him a lot of money to, uh, you know, be the quarterback of that team. Um, and then CJ Stroud, you know, it's a it, it's a rookie QB, and those can not work out a lot of the times. Um, so for me, I would take the. Uh, the value of Deshaun Watson right here. Cause I know that he's already a proven fantasy asset. Um, I don't, he's still young. He's on a new team. He's got, you know, he's got decent enough wide receivers. He's got Amari Cooper who's still playing at a high level. Um, I have to imagine they're probably going to go out and get a wide receiver uh, in the draft this year to try and strengthen that strengthen that offense a little bit. So, you know, they got a good running game with Nick Chubb Um the offense is is solid there, um, so I would I would go ahead and take them. You know, especially if C.J. Stroud ends up on a team like the Lions or something, where you know that's not going to be a good situation. I mean, it, maybe it is. Who knows? You know, I don't want to just say the Lions are going to be horrible forever, but it seems like they are. 
<laughs> yeah, I agree with you here. It's always tough for me to put a rookie QB into the top 12 already. Um, I know people want to do it just because they're young and all that, but like with a guy like Stroud, who's going to be picked at the very least in the top 10, probably earlier than that in the NFL draft, you're assuming he's going to a bad team unless someone trades up, you know, like two or three first round picks to get him which we can't guarantee, and there's probably a better chance that a bad team is going to draft them. And we just, we've just we seen it too often recently, at the very least, where these guys like Trevor Lawrence, like Justin Fields, they go to these terrible teams, and they just struggle. You know, like they, they have you know a hard time doing anything in that first year, especially if the team doesn't build anything around them. And so, obviously, we see Justin Fields is on a tear right now, but it's not because of his passing abilities right now. Like I, I believe in Justin Fields, the passer. I do. But he has no one to throw to. He's throwing to Darnell Mooney and and the corpse of Bayless Jones. Like it, it's just, it's not that part isn't great, you know. But like, so he's having to run 178 yards a game, and C.J. Stroud's not going to do that. Uh, so if he's in a, a terrible situation, it could be another year one Trevor Lawrence kind of stuff uh, situation where we're looking at him going, well, like what the hell? <laughs> like I thought this guy was good, and I, that doesn't mean that he's bad. It's just a bad start to the the season, start to the career. Uh, whereas I think that once Deshaun Watson, like his ordeal should be over. Now, I guess we can never say it actually is, but I mean, he's been disciplined by the league there. There was another uh, lawsuit that came out. Nothing's come of it. Like no one's talking about another suspension or anything like that. It seems like the NFL feels like they've done their part and you know, they don't care anymore at this point. So once he's on a field, and yeah, he might be rusty. It might take a few weeks. It might not even be this year. But you're comparing C.J. Stroud and Deshaun Watson next year. Well, I think at that point, the rust is going to be knocked off. And then at that point, I'm going to want Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and, you know, maybe that – it's not going to change. Like, Deshaun Watson's going to – he's going to come out this year and play well enough to or we're confident that he can still – he still have that, you know. Yeah, and he's he's a fully guaranteed contract. He's going nowhere. Like nothing's gonna change. And like you said, they're they're probably going to build. They already have Amari Cooper and uh, David and Joku, two players that I really love. And then you know they have David Bell, who hasn't done much, but it's Jacoby Brissett, guys. Like we have to give him you know a little bit more time. And then obviously, like you said, they could easily build get it go get another stud wide receiver in this next class because they don't have to worry about uh, you know a wide receiver. Now, of course, they don't have all of their picks, but I do believe that they still have uh, you know, some valuable picks, so they can still go get one of those kind of guys. Uh, but I think that I'm definitely down with taking Deshaun Watson over C.J. Stroud there. What you got for us next? All right, next one. Let's go back to the running backs and talk Jameer Gibbs, who was taken at RB12 or keep trade cuts RB12, Joe Mixon? This one's pretty damn easy for me, even though we just had a 56-point game from Joe Mixon. Uh, I'm not – I don't I don't chase uh, box scores. I don't chase points. And uh, we've seen, like, declining efficiency from Mixon all season long. He is getting a little longer in the tooth. He's not, like, old. He's not dead or anything like that. But it's really difficult for me to have Mixon in my top 12, especially when you consider adding in these rookie running backs. Like right now, maybe he's right there on the cusp. But when you start adding in your Bijan, your Gibbs, and, and you know some of these other players, it's going to be really tough for me to have a Joe Mixon there. I get that Mixon isn't dead. He has a contract. You know, He probably will give you one or two more good years. But, you know, I always say, and a lot of people, it's not just me, a lot of people always say, like, it's better to get out a year early than a year too late. And so I feel like, you know, especially in a startup draft, I'd rather just take the exciting player in Jameer Gibbs. Um, I know there's size concerns and things like that, but I think that the draft capital invested in him, in, in him is going to take care of all those concerns because when he gets drafted in the early second round, or, you know, mid-second round, whatever, no one's going to care about the fact that he's 205 pounds or anything like that because the team is invested in him. They're going to see what he can do at the uh, at the combine, and it's going to be a, there's going to be a lot of excitement for Jameer Gibbs. We see what he does for Alabama uh, on not the best Alabama offense, and he's still the best player out there week by, you know, after week. So, yeah, give me Jameer Gibbs here at RB12. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. Um, and 
we were talking before the show about just some of these running backs and that were taken in the draft. Like um, I feel good about this 23 uh, rookie class uh, versus their NFL counterparts, uh, you know, for the big five, at least. So like uh, Bijan, who we already talked about Gibbs here. And then Sean Tucker was, uh, you know, I'm kind of getting my, we're not going to talk about some of these guys. So Sean Tucker was RB 16, which would have been like Camara. Zach Evans was RB 18, which is like Najee Harris right now. And then Blake Corum was RB 20, which would be Miles Sanders. I feel like with all five of those guys, all five of those top running backs, I'm taking the rookies versus the NFL counterpart. Yep. And just, you know, to talk about Gibbs, since that's what we're talking about here. I mean, this is like, a, I mean, Kamara is such a solid comp for what he does. Uh, he's got the same size. He probably, you know, honestly performed better in college than Kamara did. Um, so, you know, obviously saying somebody's going to be better than Kamara for fantasy is, you know, it's impossible. You can't say that because Kamara has been so great for so long. But to think that, you know, he's got that potential to be, you know, as good as Kamara, I think that's hard to pass on. And if you're saying like, oh, all you got to do is uh, toss away uh, Joe Mixon, who's going to be, you know, I think he's been in the league from this will be his this is his fifth year. I believe this might be his sixth year. Yeah, actually, I, I think he's he should be 27 next year, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So easy, easy for me to move on from Mixon to uh, get potentially an RB one for the next five seasons. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, he'll be 27 in next July. So uh, before the season starts, so that yeah, that's pretty easy for me. And I agree with you about all the other running backs as well. I would take all of those rookie running backs over uh, their ca- counterparts. Uh, this is this one is probably the spiciest and the most difficult one for me to to really like figure out which one I want to take. And it's Quentin Johnston was drafted at wide receiver 26. Or you have his veteran counterpart in Terry McLaurin. And I know that Terry's being hated on right now because of the situation he's in. But we know how quickly situations can change. Whether it's Sam Howell or whether you know they bring in another QB or, or whatever it might be. Um, but obviously, Quentin Johnston has turned his, his season around. And he's right back where he was for me at the beginning of the, the offseason where I think he's going to be, you know, a very good, you know, top five wide receiver in this class. And so, but here's the thing. I feel like I'm the lowest on him, you know, over most people. So a lot of people have him as like, some people have him as the top guy and then other people have him as like a top three guy. But more importantly, he's being talked about, uh, you know, in NFL circles as like a top 15, top 10 uh, pick in the NFL draft which seems wild, but at the same time, we saw what happened this past year where people are, you know, the Saints are trading up and, and drafting Chris Olave so early, Drake London goes so early. You know, what, we have five wide receivers in the top 16 picks. So maybe it's not that insane to think that he goes that early. And at that point, he's probably going to have so much value. Um, and maybe that's not the point of this game is to just talk about value, but I think that you could take Quentin Johnston draft him and then trade him for Terry McLaurin plus like right away. Um, So while I don't want to hate on McLaurin because I think that his situation could change very quickly and he's a very good player and I still have him right around that. Like he might actually be my wide receiver 26 uh, in in my ranks. He's, he's right around there. I know that much, Uh, but I think I'm going to go ahead and take Quinn Johnson here and, and in the hopes that I can trade him or, you know, like I'm not saying like, I have to trade him. Obviously, like I think he's going to be a good player. I just don't know if he's going to be an amazing player. Uh, but you know, Terry McLaurin's not like a top five guy either, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, this is a weird one. Obviously, if we did this exercise, you know, six weeks ago, we'd be saying Terry McLaurin all the way. But with how Quentin Johnston's been playing, it's like okay, well, now we got to start taking him serious again. And he might end up being the next Denzel Mims, uh, you know, just a big athletic receiver who doesn't do anything in the NFL. But he might end up, you know, being amazing. He might be Calvin Johnson. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know, right? So, uh, and if people are saying he's getting drafted top 15, top 10, we got to take that into consideration. Because if that happens, 
he's going to be a top, what, six to eight dynasty rookie pick. So then you got to think as well as Terry McLaurin worth the 2023, 106, 108. I probably wouldn't trade that pick for Terry McLaurin right now. So if I'm looking at it purely from a, a value standpoint, like you said, John, I think I got to get Quentin Johnston here. And like you said, if I really did want Terry McLaurin, I could just go ahead and flip him for Terry McLaurin in like a second or something. Who knows? I really do think that you could. Um, I get that it's the closest comp and it's also, you know, keep trade cut. So we can't say this is exactly right. what, where it would be. Um, but I, I think you have to go Quentin there. And I was thinking for a second that we'd only taken rookies, but then I remember we took Deshaun Watson. So we're covered. We're not just the rookie, you know, wannabes and everything. We're, uh, but we did draft a vet as well. But then <laughs> that brings us to uh, our next QB. And this is another one when we just talked about the player, Hendon Hooker, QB 24 and uh, versus Aaron Rodgers. Now this is, getting less tough <laughs> every week it seems like although you know Hendon Hooker didn't look all that great in this past game but we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt he's playing Georgia best defense around all that kind of stuff Aaron Rodgers just like I don't know that Aaron Rodgers is actually falling off but man it, it might not matter because that team just has no one on it like he can't he has no one to throw to when Alan Lazard is the the guy that you're supposed to be getting excited about, you know you have to realize that things are going to be really bad that year. It seems like the team just is just unwilling to put any kind of investment into a wide receiver for him. Um, you know, even though they said that they were offering like a first round pick for DJ Moore, like come on, <laughs> he was a first round pick. Like what do you th- and and now he's proven that he's a, a stud. And now you're like you're going to try and send one first round pick for him. Meanwhile, you have like other players all around the league getting multiple firsts, and and you know it, that's neither here nor there. But I just think it's it's crazy. Like they say they're they're trying to invest, but they never actually invest in anyone for Aaron Rodgers. Um, Hinden Hooker probably is not going to be a first round pick but i guess you know it's it's not impossible either uh, we've seen crazier things happen but at qb24 you're not really asking for for too much from him uh there you're you're probably looking more of an investment compared to aaron Rodgers, where like maybe you're going to get like one maybe two more years out of him and if they don't invest in anything do you really want those years like if it's going to be more of the same that we've seen this year do you even want that um so it's really tough for me to say Hendon Hooker because I don't believe he's going to be a first-round pick. Uh, so I think I'm going to have to go Aaron Rodgers here, even though like the whole time I was thinking I was going to go Hooker. Just as I'm sitting here talking about it, I'm like, I can't take Hendon Hooker over Aaron Rodgers. Um, but honestly, I could look really dumb uh, by doing that. And by the time this draft actually comes around, I probably will change my mind. <laughs> yeah, I think we're on the same wavelength on all these guys here. So I would also take... Rodgers over Hendon Hooker, uh, especially given what happened last week. And I think that his shot of being a first round draft pick is out the window. And I'm not sure what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's done playing football. He might be done in Green Bay. Uh, You know, at some point, I feel like they've got to at least see what they've got with Jordan Love, or I don't know if they're done with that whole experiment or what. I think a lot of people are probably going to get fired this year because this is such a mess. Um, and to think that like management just thinks, oh, we've got Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't need to have like an elite wide receiver to be good is so asinine because you look at all these other quarterbacks along the league, around the league who have been like mediocre. And then they get a Stefan Diggs or an AJ Brown or a Tyreek Hill. And all of a sudden they're like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. It's, I mean, it, it matters to have these guys making plays. So I don't think Aaron Rodgers is done. I think he's way undervalued right now, but again, keep trade cut. You know, I don't, good luck, you know, buying Aaron Rodgers for like a late second, basically. (laughs) Um, But um, let's, let's just say for like the point of, you know, the exercise without knowing who the QB three is going to be in that draft class, would you rather have Aaron Rodgers or the QB three, be it like Levis or Hooker or somebody else? I mean, if it's Jaden Daniels, you know that I want Jaden Daniels, so that's pretty easy. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I I think I would take Rogers over all of the the QB, yeah. whoever the QB three would be. 
Uh, I think that is a pretty good, and I know a lot of people are just assuming that he's going to retire and assuming that Brady's going to retire. I feel like both of them have so much ego that they cannot go out like this. Um, now, I mean, maybe eventually Brady's going to have to go out like this because he's going to finally realize like, dude, I just can't do this anymore. But I think that, you know, Brady ruined his marriage, did all that. And he came back. He can't go out looking as bad as he's looked. And I kind of feel the same way with Rogers. Obviously he's still under contract for multiple years. And I mean, maybe he will do it like intentionally, but like he would really be screwing the Packers if he uh, if he went ahead and retired because they had owe him so much money. And I know there's certain things with like he would have to pay back certain things, but they've already paid him quite a bit of money. Um, and I'm not sure he would have to pay that kind of stuff back. So that uh, maybe he would do it just to, for the laughs. But I, I think that his ego, you know, we hear him talking about it still. Like he goes on the Pat McAfee show and everything, and and talks about you know like how. Uh, oh, they're just, you know, they're, they're right where they want to be. And, you know, like, yeah, five losses, that's the bottom. And now we're going to move to the top. And, like, I don't know if he's just high and that's how why he's talking like that. But it seems like he's he's just, like, he still thinks he's up here, even though he's all the way at the basement. And, you know, like, I that doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to, like, oh, yeah, I'm walking away. Aaron Rodgers' contract runs through 2026, and his cap number for the next couple of seasons is 31.6 million, 40.7 million, 59.3 million, and then 53.4 million. And uh, they will not be saving money against the cap if they cut him until 2025. Yeah, I I don't know how all that works with uh, you know because I think the the contract becomes void if he retires but not the part that they already paid him and so then it's going to become like a whole like you know nasty legal thing where they're trying to sue him for money that they paid even though he didn't live up to his contract and all that i don't know exactly how it all works but i think that um he would definitely be screwing the packers uh like i said i just don't think it's going to happen yeah um i think the only uh reasonable way out would be like a Matthew Stafford situation where they just say, Hey, we're going to rebuild. We're trading Rogers. And I don't know if that's a, uh, if that's a option on the table right now, I think if that does happen, that they're just going to have to fire the entire, you know, front front office staff to like, say like, okay, we want somebody in who's going to, you know, be in charge of this rebuild. That isn't you, you guys had your shots over with. So, um, just a couple of quick hitters here before we uh, go to the next break. Um, it, you could just give me an answer. No, no, uh, no explanation or anything. Uh, Josh Downs or Kelvin Ridley? Downs. Bigsby or Demont? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That, that, that one's actually kind of, that one's tougher than I thought it was going to be because Mon- <laughs> Montgomery's kind of on the, the outs. Really? Um, man, I think... I think I would go with Bigsby just because everyone like loves him so much. Uh, no, no, screw that. I, I can't ever say I'm going to draft Bigsby. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to take Montgomery. All right. Uh, last one. Uh, Michael Mayer or TJ Hawkinson? I take Hawkinson. I think that like he, this past week, I mean, it's it's only a one-week sample, but that's all we can work with. But like he, they showed that he's going to be a pivotal piece of that offense. So I, I know I wasn't really supposed to talk about it, but I, I do believe that he will be pretty damn good in Minnesota. Yeah, he looked good. That's all you got? All right, yeah. Uh, so, that's, I'll just leave it at that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a lot of fun. Um, I definitely think it's it's good. It's a good exercise because, you know, not only do you start thinking about, like, where am I going to place these rookies or incoming rookies, but you also start thinking about players like Aaron Rodgers and stuff like that. Like, well, maybe it's time to move them down the ranks because I don't feel as high about them, you know, or, you know, like a Terry McLaurin or whoever. So I love those kind of exercises. It really makes you think. And then that's when you start going back and saying, oh, it's time to make a trade because I don't love this guy as much as I used to, or I love him more than I ever thought. And uh, speaking of loving more than ever, you need to love yourself as a man, (laughs) <laughs> and that came out weird, but I uh, I think that uh, 
you know, we're doing the whole Movember thing here as a group for the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast Network. Uh, you can see it in uh, Tommy T's mustache. Uh, we obviously all have the mustaches, but they're going into the beard, so it doesn't work out quite as well. It's not as much of a statement. Unfortunately, wifey won't let me shave this masterpiece, so I cannot get away with that. Uh, but, you know, more importantly... It, we have a link that we'll be putting in the show sheet or on YouTube, or in, not in the show sheet, in the show link um, that you can click on and you can uh, donate money to help with uh, men's health and, you know, just go get yourself checked out. You know, make your make sure that you are taking care of you and we will be back here in just a little bit and we'll talk about some uh, games and players that we're going to be checking out. Yeah, the difficulty with Taylor is... I mean, 90% of his ability comes like comes from being this significant workhorse back. If all of a sudden he comes back and he's not getting 22 carries a game, he's getting 14, 15, like it just cuts his value down significantly. Right. Right? It would be insane to give him more than that. I mean, like as a, yeah. as a, as a person who rosters on Taylor and dynasty, I hope they give him 30 carries a game and ride him. But as a person who roots for the Colts and roots for Jonathan Taylor, that would be organizational malpractice. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's no you're, you're gonna give you're gonna give him 25 carries, but you're three and seven. It's insane. I mean, the Jonathan Taylor season is just like one of the saddest stories. It's it's almost as sad as Brees. Uh, but it's just, you know, injuries and derailments of, you know, terrible offenses. But it's also a good lesson that, you know, when people were investing, I don't remember if I've talked about this on, on the pod or not, but uh, one of my friends DM'd me one day and he said, hey, somebody's offering me J.K. Dobbins and 323 first for Jonathan Taylor. Should I take that? And I was like, yes, you should take that. You should break your phone and you should take that. And those were the kind of trades that you were able to get for JT this off season. And so when someone gets to that crazy kind of level, and this isn't just like, Oh, when someone gets to a good level, you got to trade them. But like when someone gets to that level, you have to trade them because they were so much, so much more. And no, J.K. Dobbins, you know, isn't saving that guy's team right now or anything. But I can guarantee you, he's going to be feeling pretty damn good with those twenty-three firsts. Or he could have turned those twenty-three firsts into someone else. And now J.T. is barely worth a, a twenty-three first at this point. Uh, yeah, well, I wouldn't say that, but <laughs> I mean, I don't know. He's getting point. pretty close to. I mean. He's getting pretty close to being dead in in Dynasty because it does not take very long with running backs. I know he's not old, but we just talked about a nice crop of running backs coming in, and it's gonna it, there's gonna come a, a point where you go Jameer Gibbs or JT, and you're gonna start thinking about it. You're gonna be like, well, that was tricky. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Earlier in the off season, I essentially it was like three trades, but essentially it got down to David Carr and Jonathan Taylor. For uh, Danny Dimes, Brees Hall, and two twenty-three firsts, Oof. I was kind of iffy about it at that point. But I'd already won it, and I just wanted to switch things up. And I really liked Brees Hall. I was feeling really good about it for a second there. I don't know how I feel about it now with Brees Hall going down, and then also you know Daniel Jones is Daniel Jones. But well, yeah, but Derek Carr is Derek Carr. Thank yeah, you. You, you make me feel much better now. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I think you can kind of say the QBs are a wash. Uh, so just take them out. And then you're talking about Brees Hall and what did you say, 223 first for JT. Yes. Like, that's that's the easiest smash in the history of the world. I mean, the, the injury sucks. And maybe he's not going to be fully healthy at the beginning of the season. But you're going to go get one of these or two of these guys that we were just talking about. You know, you're, you're going to go get you a Jordan Addison. You're going to get you a CJ Stroud or, uh, you know, Jameer Gibbs, Sean Tucker, whoever. And you're going to be like, wait, I got Brees Hall, uh, Sean Tucker, and Quentin Johnston. Wait, I'm feeling pretty damn good right now. <laughs> Heck yeah. Uh, but we are here to talk now about some of the uh, college football games that we're going to be watching this week and what we think the best picks are here. As uh, as always, I you know I do my due diligence. I go pretty wild with uh, the research for this kind of stuff, and so I'm definitely not. Even though I'm looking this way, I'm not like looking for my pick right now. Uh, but Andy, why don't you go ahead and and start us off real quick? <laughs> 
All right. So last week, I'll just say I should have won by betting the over on Georgia's total, but Tennessee was just so inept that they couldn't even force them to play offense in the second half. So the process was right there. But um, I really didn't research this week too much either, John. So uh, I'm in the same boat as you, but I did catch a glimpse of TCU at Texas. And TCU obviously undefeated. I believe they are fourth in the college football playoff poll right now, which might be a curse after what we saw last week. But they are seven-point underdogs to a Texas team who's had some pretty questionable games this season. Uh, I know we love Quinn Ewers and Xavier Worthy and obviously Bijan Robinson. Uh, but I love Kendra Miller, and I think Max Duggan's been playing okay. And then Quentin Johnson, who we've said like 30 times today already, uh, he's on that team too, but I, he might not be playing. Um, that's obviously uh, not what you want to see from that team, but uh, I think TCU's been playing well enough. Their defense has been uh, pretty solid for you know a Big 12 team anyway. So they're getting seven points. Uh, I'm going to take those points, please. Actually, we we talked about that you know right before we jumped on. Uh, you had kind of mentioned it, and I'll tell you what I. I agreed with you like that. That seems pretty wild with uh, how they've looked. And, uh, you know, I, I don't and honestly, like Texas has looked OK. Quinn Ewers has looked OK. I'm not hating on the guy or anything like that. But, man, I don't I don't think it's a minus seven kind of uh, feel, even if it is at home and everything. Um, I think that. Yeah, I, I think I really like that one. And then mine, you know, once again, I didn't really go crazy with uh, the research here or anything like that. But we just saw LSU beat Alabama. We, I mean, we saw like the, their defense is playing pretty well. They're obviously Jaden Daniels, Jaden Daniels, Jaden Daniels, Jaden Daniels. But uh, <laughs> we also saw how bad Arkansas was against Liberty. Why is LSU only uh, favored by you know, minus three here? Like that just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I get it that you know it's not at home and everything, but I, I don't really think that that really matters at this point. Uh, I think LSU is a much better team, and they. I, I know it's narrative street, but like they have a shot at making the college football playoffs right now. And they're going to walk all over Arkansas to get to that college football playoffs. So I, unless they're just uh, one of those kind of teams, it's like, oh, we just won the Super Bowl by beating Alabama, and now they're gonna like you know just completely forget about everything else. But I really don't think that's what it is. I think I would be betting uh, easily betting the LSU minus three side there. You, yeah, I mean. That's I we might both be walking into traps right here just because it seems like too good to be true. But I mean, I'm with you there too. Like LSU's obviously coming off like the best game since Brian Kelly's been there for sure. So maybe there's a bit of like a hangover there and they're coming off that high. But I mean, with how bad Arkansas has been playing, we don't know what KJ Jefferson's health is going to be like. Um, it'll, it'll all depend on the, you know, what the tempo of the game is. If, if, if Arkansas can establish that run early, then, you know, it's going to be a bit of a dogfight. But um, it's, I mean, Jaden Daniels has shown that, like, they, you can't stop that offense. When you, like, if, if you, if you're covering Boutte and all those other guys, he's just going to tuck it and run it. So it's tough to slow them down. I agree. And then I, as far as the players that we want to watch, I, I had said last week how I had moved Drake May above Caleb Williams in uh, the 2024 class. And, you know, I, I got some, I don't want to say grief, but I definitely got some feedback and, and things about it. Um, you know, some people agreed with me. And, and then I, I've, since then, I've actually heard a lot of people loving on Drake May, which is pretty cool. You know, just like, uh, you know, like, I, I don't want to say I started it, but I mean, clearly I started it. But then uh, since then, I've, you know, even my co host on the Debbie Devotional, Aaron Wilcox, you know, he's the biggest Caleb Williams fan. And so he, you know, he's been talking about how electric he is, how ama amazing he is. I've actually never watched him play college football. So I, I know I love me some Caleb Williams, but I don't have him right now in the same tier as Drake may. I have him like a, a half a tier below, if you will. 
And so I want to actually watch Caleb Williams this weekend and just, you know, see if, if, if the hype is real and all that kind of stuff. It's not going to change my uh, true opinion on him, but I just want to see, you know, what the, what all the hoopla is about. So I want to watch uh, Caleb Williams. And, I mean, it's going to be probably like an easy game up against Colorado where he's not going to have to do too much. But, you know, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe I can, you know, see the fun part that everyone's talking about. Yeah, I'm pretty sure USC is like a 40 point favorite in that game. So, <laughs> probably. if you want, if you want to see Caleb Williams throw some touchdowns, that's a good one to turn tune into. <laughs> right. um, but I am going with Kendra Miller, who TCU. You know, talking about them, I talked about him on the uh, Debbie recap this weekend. Um, I just think that this guy is crawling up people's boards right now. Uh, I mentioned it on the show. He's got a touchdown in every game this year. He's ran for 100 yards in six of his last seven games. He's now over 1,000 yards on the season. He does well enough catching the ball. Um, I was looking at – I was trying to comp him to a player. Um, and if you want a player for like from the Big 12, who we've actually talked about him earlier today, it's I think Joe Mixon. Um, Joe Mixon maybe has a better profile catching the ball in college. But Kendry Miller's in this Sonny Dykes offense where, you know, it's kind of – run and gun they're not really asking much from the running back in the passing game and he's well enough as a pass blocker where i think he's going to get that work in the nfl where he's going to be in there on third downs to get some of those check downs on like the third and 18 plays where you know they're not even thinking about getting a first down they're just like let's get some field position before we punt here so if he's in on those plays he's obviously going to get value there so I like Kendry Miller. I want to see him again, obviously, this this week. It's against Texas. You know, it's going to be a big stage. So, yeah, I'm watching him. I want to see another 100-yard performance would be cool and obviously keep that touchdown streak rolling. He's just getting stronger and stronger. I talked about how I have him in my uh, top five. I, I'm pretty sure I drafted him in our, uh, in our rookie mock that we did, what, like a month ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people have said, uh, you know, about Kendra, like, oh, if he comes out, if he comes out, the way he's playing, like, there's just, it seems like there's no way he's not coming out in this year's draft. I, I guess we can't guarantee anything, but man, I, I love me some Kendra, and I, he's fun to watch. I, I have watched him, and he is definitely fun to watch, and he's uh, fun to look at uh, in in the stat sheet as well. <laughs> but. Uh, uh, real quick, Kendry Miller, since we we were just talking about that uh, dynasty mock draft, he went RB28, which would be Brian Robinson in the NFL. Oh, that's with? that's the easiest thing. I mean, I was never <laughs> I was never in on Robinson. It never really made sense when, you know, like uh, the team was hyping him up. And obviously, like the whole, you know, the, him getting shot it was very sad. I'm happy that he's back on the field and all that. But I just I never really believed in the talent. Um, and I don't know what the coaches thought they were getting or doing by like, you know, forcing Antonio Gibson out, they bring Robinson back in and all of a sudden it's just like, like nothing. <laughs> like they, they, he's just, he's basically nothing. So yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's the easiest decision I've ever had to make actually. <laughs> all right. Lucas has got a trickier one for you. Kendra Miller or Damian Pierce. I, I, obviously we know that Pierce is, is playing very well but he's a fourth round draft pick on a terrible team that is probably going to get replaced at some point. Like, unfortunately that's just what happens. We've seen it happen way too many times with Michael Carter, with James Robinson. There's obviously other examples as well. And I believe that Kendra Miller is going to be an earlier draft pick uh, than, uh, than Damian Pierce was. And so just give me that draft capital uh, I believe in the talent more than Damian Pierce, even though I will, to his credit, like he looks like a freaking, he looks like Marshawn Lynch light when he's running. Like he's very difficult to tackle and all that. I don't really know if he's actually like all that talented, but you know, not going down, you know, like it, uh, not, not going down on the first hit it is, you know, a talent as well. So I like Damian Pierce. I love Kendra Miller. Yeah, they might replace Damian Pierce with Kendrick Miller. <laughs> they very well could. <laughs> and I mean, you you would comp him to Mixon, and I, I love the comp like stylistically and everything. But uh, isn't Mixon a little bit bigger though? I think he's taller. They're both around two twenty. Okay. Mixon's like six one, and Kendrick is like. I, I was thinking Mixon was a little heavier, but you know maybe I'm wrong there. I think they're um, both right around two twenty. 
No, you're probably right then. Yeah, I, I like the comp. I, I do. I definitely do. Um, and I know a lot of people are probably yelling at their phones or, or you know, radios or whatever, saying, uh, like, no, you got to take Pierce. Look what he's doing. But I just, I've seen it happen way too many times now, guys. I, I just, it would not, it, Bijan Robinson, you know, to the, to the Houston Texans. Like, it would not be that insane. And then Damian Pierce is dead at that point. <laughs> I don't yeah, need another those... Travis Etienne, James Robinson situation here. That already hurt my soul enough. I want <laughs> one more year of Damian Pierce, and then they can, you know, draft somebody else. But give me two years of this, guys. That's all I want. Yeah, for Pierce, like, it's it's one of those things, like, because Kendra Miller's probably going to be, like, an early second-round pick, I would think, in Dynasty drafts. So, like, if somebody's offering you an early second for Damian Pierce right now, you're probably not going to take that trade. So it's, you know, Damien Pierce is just sort of like a hold, I think, for me right now. But, yeah, I, I I hear what you're saying, though, John, because as soon as the draft goes around and he does get usurped by somebody's draft, you know, running back drafted with higher DC, then, uh, you know, it changes things immediately. But it's exactly. just one of those things like you don't want to give up on him right now. It's, it's Michael Carter. I mean, Michael Carter was a fourth-round pick who who looked great. I mean, he looked absolutely fantastic last year. And he took over that backfield. People were concerned about the size. It didn't matter. He looked awesome. And he was maybe not a first-round pick valuation, but he was definitely like an earlier second-round pick valuation by the end of the year. And then they go and draft Brace Hall, and he was completely dead until Hall got hurt. So, I mean, you know, obviously, like, you can still hold on to hope that Pierce will be valuable as a backup for injury purposes, that kind of thing, but... Uh, you know, like the chances or the odds of him getting replaced are pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But we're uh, over the or past the the hour mark here, so why don't we go ahead and get out of here? It was a lot of fun, uh, and I I don't know talking about that draft and then talking about our draft from like a month ago kind of makes me want to redo our uh, our rookie mock here pretty soon, if not the next one. To. Yeah, we I I think I don't know. It feels like should we wait until after week 12 when it's actually done or should we just go ahead and do it next year or next week? And then we can do another one in like three or four weeks. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe we'll just do like a, you know, keep the draft theme going and do like a Debbie mock draft without like the 23 guys. We'll think about it. We'll do yeah. some. Sort. I don't know. Yeah. I, I kind of want to do a draft. So why don't we think about that, figure out what we're going to do for, for next week, but we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Lucas, is there anything else that we needed to touch on before we got out of here? No, y'all did awesome again, just like usual. Make sure you check out every other uh, thing that we put out under the Full Tilt Podcast brand. We have our Tuesday Dynasty podcast. We have Wednesday Debbie podcast. Friday, we have our walkabout where we kind of touch on everything. It's more of a strategy-based show. And then we have our Big Billy's Review comes out Monday night. And Andy Starr's uh, Debbie review comes out Tuesday mornings. So make sure you tune in for all of our great content. Please subscribe. Please give us reviews. Please share our content. Absolutely cannot grow unless you all are the ones who are saying, yeah, you guys are awesome. We love to hear. And if we can improve, let us know. We do this for you all to put out as good product as we possibly can. So y'all did amazing again tonight. Uh, and thanks for uh, spending your Wednesday night with us. Great points. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. But for now, we're cashing out. <laughs>